One of the sectors that has been greatly affected since the global outbreak of the coronavirus is education. Three weeks after the index case in Nigeria, the government ordered the immediate closure of primary, secondary and tertiary institutions to avert the spread of the virus. The need for continued education amid the lockdown has generated a high demand for online learning and other methods of homeschooling to make up for the lost time. Given the country's shortcomings in IT infrastructure and media platforms, especially in rural areas, can the demand be met? Hello and welcome to NOW, our podcast that examines the impact of COVID-19 on our lives. I am Shokba Martins. In this episode, Minister of State for Education, Chiko Emeka Wanjuba, tells us about the federal government's COVID-19 response strategy for the education sector in most of the states of the federation. Because of inconsistent light output and uh, inconsistent access to devices, it is actually in the country's best interest for us to use terrestrial and radio uh, to reach those underserved areas. The pro-chancellor of the University of Lagos talks about the urgent need for an overhaul of educational infrastructure in Nigeria through adequate funding. We don't have time. We have to reform education very quickly. Yes, we don't have excess funds. But the little we have, I'm not sure, is being spent appropriately. Primary and secondary school pupils in Nigeria are taking advantage of alternative methods of learning provided by schools and state governments. Some of the online learning platforms, which are either initiated by parents or schools, come with different challenges. While some complain about the heavy data used for learning, others say poor internet network has been a major deterrent to learning. For the less affluent of society, the problem is even more acute. Without devices, access to the internet, and in some extreme cases, even local media, it is almost impossible to learn outside the classroom. Bumi Yakini reports. Schools across the states have been forced to shut down since Nigeria recorded its first case of the coronavirus to prevent further spread of the pandemic. Globally, data from the United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization, UNESCO, shows that there are over 1.5 billion students affected by the closure. The situation has forced millions of children at home to switch to online schooling. Mrs. Ronke Shoyombo is the special advisor on education to the governor of Ogun State. She says children should take advantage of this platform. We are focused more on senior secondary um, topics. For white, we've even used examples from past papers and in maths and English, and it will be nice, even for IT as well. So it will be nice for all of them to access it, maximize the resources effectively well. The Federal Ministry of Education has developed a coordinated COVID-19 response strategy to provide information, guidance, and resources to the 36 states and FCT for the continued education and individualized learning of children at home. Many seem to have embraced this plan with various modes of distance learning platforms, such as the WhatsApp and Google Classroom. These platforms are heavily dependent on the use of data, mobile phones, and computer systems. For some parents who are already burdened by the economic downturn caused by the lockdown, this is a big deal. Amelia Osaru has a child in one of the private schools in Lagos. She queries the reason for online lessons. Why do we want to do online? Parents are going to be the ones teaching. 
Then why are we imitating America and London? A friend of mine said to me, are these children taught daily on computer? No. So why do you not expect that just because of the Christ? Children that you don't teach everything on computer, they only have one period just to look at the computer. You want them now to be doing online classes. Lagos Prep, their school fees is one million naira. Or they say, oh, we'll remove 10%. What is 10%? For John Eromosele, whose child is also in a private school, the WhatsApp platform is resourceful at this time. Now created a different group for each of the kids in the same class. So, like for pre-news, really have their WhatsApp group, their teacher is there, their teacher is leading the session. So, she would put videos, content, study materials for the kids there and give assignments. Their parents will look through and guide them through and ask them those questions, the options, they respond, give them their books and their boards as well to write on it and do the assignment. A student of Queen's College, Chiwendu Umuka, tells me that the online lesson platform she joined was initiated by the parents and not the school. There is one that is on a WhatsApp group chat, which is paid for, and there is the app one, which is not paid for. The app one is just, you have to just download the app and then get an account, and then you can join the class. But for the one on, on the WhatsApp group chat, it is, you have to pay on an hour a day for the classes. For a week, it's 500. It's only on weekdays. For the online group chat, it's different classes, two classes a day, but it comprises of a whole of subjects, five subjects. It has actually helped me revise from things they've done in school and also help me learn further on what we're supposed to do for this SS2. Vincent Joshua teaches English in one of the private secondary schools in Lagos. He says the issue of poor access to the internet has been a major deterrent to online schooling. Some of the challenges I encountered <laughs> range from the unavoidable network instability to low attendance due to some parents' inability to operate ideally. I have not had any parent complain to me about expending so much cash and data and my school did not charge parents a dime for it. Still not satisfied with the position a child's school has left her, Amelia Osaru says money should have been kept behind for two years to take care of teachers' salaries in cases such as this. For the school, they have ongoing they are not NGOs. I don't understand why they don't have lots of income insurance. You are a business. But in that Nigeria model that people don't have insurance. But you go as a body to the government. They are stakeholders together in educating children. Go and say, look, this is what major. It's not something that we plan. How can you help us? And let them find a way to come to common ground. But in Nigeria, they just pass the book to the common man. So they are everybody. So the common man must die. Recognizing that data and online facilities may be a burden on parents who are already stretched due to the lockdown, states in Nigeria, including Lagos, have adopted the radio and television teaching mode for students in public schools. Yakubu Mohamed teaches in a public school in Ninja State. He encourages students to make the most of the opportunity to learn. Because it comes with timetable. On Monday, they used to do English language in the morning and the mathematics in the evening. While on Tuesday, they do other subjects such as social studies, home economy, business study, accounting, chemistry, physics for the SS classes. 
in Anambra State, southeast of Nigeria. The government has also resorted to using radio and television for homeschooling because of the complexities of the internet. The state's commissioner for education says the radio is very engaging for students in the state. It's also making them to learn how to do phoning programs, you know, because one of the things we introduced was, you know, in the last 10 minutes of uh, the teaching, we'll call for questions. Students have been responding and calling and participating. So participatory kind of communication is also what the children are also learning. Mercy Maita Kudi is a teacher at Queen Amina College, Kaduna. She tells me that the television and radio teaching platforms are necessary at this time. So the state's government is taking the initiative seriously. Right from the takeoff of the lessons, we've been receiving wonderful responses from our viewers and listeners, very intelligent questions, wonderful interactions, and going by this, I am sure I am convinced that we are on the right track and our students are learning. Not only the students, parents are learning. The quest for continued education by Nigerians at this time of a global pandemic indicates a hunger for learning. So far, stakeholders in both government and private education sectors have shown a willingness to create learning platforms that make this possible. Still, there are indigent families who reside in rural communities and villages and do not have access to power, mobile devices, let alone internet connectivity. How are they supposed to be part of the learning process? This is a question I put to the Minister of State for Education, Chukwemeka Mwanjuba. What we were trying to do at the ministry is to reach as many rural dwellers as possible. And that we found that, that um, because of inconsistent light output and uh, inconsistent access to devices, it is actually in the country's best interest for us to use terrestrial and radio uh, to reach those underserved areas. And if possible, have them tune in from different sources, whereas their own state suburbs will be the ones that key into what we are doing at the federal level and then disseminate that at the local level, since uh, there are quite a few radio stations and a few that are owned by state governments that we can work with. Can we know how much is budgeted for this? Because I know it will come at a cost. Right now, we are using resources that are available under the under UBEC, because you see, under the 2004 UBEC Act, UBEC is a partnership between state and the federal government. So we collect and we make up the resources available to the states. And we think that this can now be used to enhance learning in the way we have designed it. So really, uh, as a matter of budget, it's not uh, a specific budget. It's not that the resources are available. We already collect the UBEC as there's a couple of uh, states already have access upwards of a, a billion in the year already. So what they're going to do is use those resources the way we are trying to collaborate with them to use that to enhance learning in the way we have now designed it. So that's why it appears like UBEC is the, the executive secretary at UBEC is the anchor for this because the SUBEPs need to dial into it and then tell us what it is that they are doing with the resources they already have gotten under the plan so that we can then you know, link them up into this program. Because if, for instance, in Anambra State or Lagos State or any of the 14 states that have already started running the programs, all they need from us is to align what their programs are 
with what NERDC, which is the, the Department of the Federal Ministry of Education that produces curriculum. They need to just align that curriculum and then for each of the classes, they can then uh, say specifically what times they'll be airing, what subjects in, both on Territorial TV and uh, on radio, so that anybody can then tune in from remote areas and use that. Otherwise, the same content would also be available online for those who have devices, they can also uh, read it. So it's a, it, it, the budget is um, a bit uh, fluid in the sense that there's quite a lot of resources in the pocket of state governments, which were placed there by law through the operation of UBEC. So all the, the small resources that are available to us at the federal level, we're only using that to provide content, provide assets, and provide them to then link up uh, from their states. Is there any monitoring and evaluation technique that is used to measure how effective these television and radio station modes are? for the students, especially in rural communities? Yes, we indeed have at the level of the Federal Ministry of Education, the Directorate of ICT, uh, which is, uh, is actually the Secretariat of this uh, network that I'm talking about, where UBEC and the SUBEPs dial into. Uh, the Directorate of ICT and the Permanent Secretary of the Ministry of Education have an independent monitoring and examination unit because we have what we call inspectorates or quality assurance agents in every state of the country who then give us a feedback as to what it is that is operable in those states and how we can either escalate or escalate what is wrong or right as the case may be and or fine-tune the program uh, as, we, as, we, as, we, as we go along or find out what it is that they need to be augmented with and then we can step in. As soon as countries stopped public gatherings, most colleges and universities in Europe and the United States switched to online learning. But in Nigeria, that was not the case. Not much learning has been done in tertiary institutions since the outbreak. Do universities in Nigeria have the capacity to do online schooling at this critical time? The pro-chancellor of the University of Lagos, Wale Babalakin, gives us the answer. If this continues for the next weeks, I believe that um, the university will be instructed or advised or persuaded to start online courses. So I don't believe it should be too challenging. But has to give some reasons why he thinks that online schooling may not work for tertiary education in Nigeria, like poor internet-based support system, poor internet access, lack of infrastructure. Do you agree with Asu? No, I don't. I don't. The university from my knowledge, have enough funds if spent prudently to provide good internet service. And there are a lot of institutions willing to provide support at very concessionary rates for universities and other educational institutions. I think that um, the issue of internet connection cannot be a defense. On the General infrastructure, it has always been my position that there is no compromise to good quality education. Are you saying it's more of an attitude thing? I'm saying that you can't, as a lot of people have insisted, that there must be free education at all levels and not be able to fund that education. I agree that it should be free education, but it must be funded and funded adequately. Let's talk about the issue of funding. Do you think Nigerian universities are well-funded? Well, I don't think today 
they have enough funds. But I also don't believe that the little they have, they are spending judiciously. Yes, we don't have excess funds, but the little we have, I'm not sure is being spent appropriately. Assuming before this COVID, you are located a certain percentage to education of the budget. Now the budget is going to be reviewed. We don't know what percentage the review is going to be. But whatever the percentage, will you automatically now vary the percentage of funds in education? If you do that, you will have a system that is simply not sustainable and not balanced. Okay, given the problems that the economy is facing right now with the COVID pandemic, how realistic is this? Very realistic. You see, there has to be a paradigm shift. There has to be a change in the mindset of Nigerians. We should have at least 200 major factories running. And not the factories of the 70s, which were simply assembly plants. They bring the um, raw materials from abroad and assemble here. That is not a factory. Factories are looking for the areas where you have competitive advantage and using your resources to now convert it into the difference in the value added. Until we create the value added, we will not get what we deserve. Okay, so are you hopeful that um, the situation might turn around and things would get better? We don't have a choice. We don't have a choice. I don't think there's any choice. We have to rebuild it. I can't but be optimistic. I'm just hoping that those who have the heirs of the government or those who have reins of power will realize that we must, we don't have time. We have to reform education very quickly. I'm surprised you concentrated on university education. What about secondary education? What about primary school education? Primary school education. There are states that have not paid their counterpart funding for UBEC to be able to access the, 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 the money for primary schools. I'm not aware of any state in Nigeria that has enough primary schools giving good quality education for all those in the state. I'm not aware of any state in Nigeria. Regularly, the television will just zoom on one state and you see what is described as classroom. You see what is described as lectures there now. They are inimical to learning. It isn't just learning that has been disrupted by the COVID-19 pandemic. Major exams which determine the transition from one institution to another have also been put on hold. The West African Examinations Council, known as WIEC, is normally the first phase in applying to a tertiary institution in Nigeria. The exam was postponed as a result of the pandemic and it is not clear when pupils will be able to write the test. I spoke with Head of Public Affairs at the West African Examination Council, Demianus Ojijogo, to get a further understanding of what their plans are for students. We have reached the candidates. 
research candidates in the examination, informing them that um, we've made available online resources that they can uh, access uh, to enable them to study and prepare for the exam. How did you reach out to the candidates and uh, what about the candidates that might not have access to those online resources? It's a school examination and we reached them through our offices in Nigeria. Apart from the the information or notice we sent out, we also made sure that uh, our offices communicated with the principals then to the candidates. Now, in order to aid the preparations for the prospective candidates, is the timetable going to see any significant change in structure? There will be a change. That one is sure. The date will change. That was supposed to start on April 6th, and we are now heading towards May. And so the date will change. And then um, there will be a room uh, also given to maybe get things in place. We can't just resume and then we'll start examination. No. Now, most of the schools, due to the pandemic and the various lockdowns across the country, they were shut quite abruptly. And Although the registration portal had closed before then, is there going to be maybe a possible extension of the registration deadline in view of the school's closure? Will we be looking at e-registration maybe? The normal registration period expired. We extended it thrice before the lockdown. So the candidates registered, then we also left a window open for principals to still go to our offices throughout the country candidates uh, who have not registered to register them. So that's no problem. Okay, and now, do you know when the exam would be? No, that would depend on when the lockdown is lifted. We can now be able to answer the gate and say, well, we are planning to also so period or so. But for now, no, we don't know. Sir. But we don't know when the lockdown, whether it will be lifted next week or next month. We don't know. You know, this examination is not a national examination in the sense that it's not uh, is beyond Nigeria. What other member countries, even beyond the five member countries of WAEC, there are other countries, French-speaking countries in Africa, who use Nigerian curriculum. They are also registered candidates for this exam. So, well, there are a lot of considerations we are going to be made. We take our time to do the right thing. With the postponement that we're seeing and all the effects that are built to happen, are you concerned about this having an impact on university admissions and entrances? Uh, they have to also recheck re- their title to accommodate the emergency that we've had. The change is normal. Well, this one was an emergency. I, I said that they will also adjust their title to accommodate the period that we have been at home. Well, let's talk a little bit about Wyatt Connect. So what exactly is this initiative uh, behind the Wyatt Connect and how ex- accessible is it? Wyatt Connect is actually the candidate, candidate interactive portal. It's an interface. Uh, deployed by the council to enable us to interact with candidates one-on-one without any disruption. So they are especially expected to uh, log on the site with the registration details and then uh, assess the materials we have there to enable them to study for the exam. There are information we are always putting there. There are rules and regulations guiding the conduct of our examination. There are a lot of information out there. So they are also expected to... Uh, um, if they have questions, if they have complaints, it is actually supposed to be a link between the council and the candidates from the registration for the examination and to the examination proper. And after the examination, the list of results, certificates, and all those. So it is something that is continuous. They have issues they need to be addressed. They can get on the portal, and there are people there every time online who can address 
those issues. So that's the idea behind it. Are there any kind of offline resources connected to Wired Connect? Because we know that there are some candidates who might not have access to the internet or be able to go to um, cyber cafes. If we make it offline, the aim of the Wired Connect is uh, defeated. Because if a research on the door, if a candidate has an issue, how does it get to us? <laughs> you will be offline and we're online. Though in an emergency like this, something like that can be uh, considered or based. That's not the essence of the Wired Connect. It's not something that uh, the side that uh, you have uh, put things like the e-learning portal. I know you're going to ask me about that. The e-learning portal, where we will have the chief examiner's reports from 20, 2008 to 2018. That place, candidates are ready to go there and see subject by subject why reasons behind a failure of candidates in the exams and reasons for those who pass why they pass from the feedback. By the chief what would you say to concerns that uh, Wired Connect might actually marginalize some of the poorer students who wouldn't have access to it? That fear could have been expressed like 10 or 20 years ago. Today, in the digital age, a lot of students now have access to food. They are at home. It's not one, those who are involved in school, they say they're not allowed access, uh, allowed to use their phone. They are at home. So they can use daddy's phone or mommy's phone or that. They can access but some families don't actually have one phone. Talk of multiple phones. They might need to go outside to pay someone just to make a phone call. These are the candidates I'm talking about. That was before. I don't think it would be a challenge. If it's going to be a challenge, it's very minimal, not majority. I also spoke with JAMB Registrar and board member of NECO, Professor Ishak Oloyede, to get a further understanding of what their plans are for students. Many of the candidates will have by now been printing their results. We have to provide a means of checking their results without physical contact with the office. The lockdown has opened the eyes of many of the operators in JAM to the fact that many of the things we spend our hours in the office could be done online and they could be done faster. You talked about the UTME already being scheduled, but it was supposed to be held between March 14th and April 4th. So why exactly did the board choose to go ahead with a truncated version of the exam? We had the window of 24th to 4th, but the exam was scheduled only for seven days. There was only one day, that was 21st or 22nd of uh, March. That was only for Bayelsa State. They were to have on Monday, but we shifted it to Sunday. But for that, we went according to our program. All right, so sorry, you are saying that um, with regards to the planning of the UTME, that no students would have been adversely affected due to the pandemic? At all, at all, at all. Not a single one. I understand that you're on the board of the National Examinations Council. Could you tell us a little bit about what's happening with the various exams under the council's purview? What plans have been put in place to deal with the postponement of examinations? I'm a member of the board by virtue of my being registered of term. By law, I'm not permitted to speak for NECO. All I can say is that the board thought that given this period we have said but some of the examinations fall within the lockdown period the examination should be postponed and i believe that has been done and communicated would you be able to say something about what kind of effects you think exam postponements would have on the coming school year 
I do not think it will have much because normally we are supposed to start the session in September and October. And uh, only very few universities, maybe Lasu, Obafemi Aulawa University, and one or two other universities. Others are, are involved in this strike. So if there is a disruption, it couldn't have been on the basis of the examination, but on the basis of other things. Some private universities that are even running now and other institutions, I think it will have impact on those universities and it could be directly responsible but for the ones that have been adhering to the academic calendar, um, have there been talks about issues around postponement of academic calendars and admissions? I don't think so, because as far as we are concerned, we can start admission now for those universities that are ready. I was privileged to attend the um, web-hosted meeting held with the Honorable Minister of education with vice-chancellors and heads of parastatus recently. And his directive was clear that this was a challenge and we should mobilize. And I am aware that many of them are going on and they are going on smoothly online. And uh, if such institutions want to start a new session, JAM will collaborate with them effectively because examination has been conducted and the screening can be done online and lectures can start online. But when we talk about internet penetration within the country, broadband penetration is still at about under 40%. What about the students who are not privileged to have access for even a length of time to the internet and to online classes? What will be done for those students? That's a popular opinion, but I do, I'm not convinced about that line of argument because I am aware that when it comes to involvement in social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and all the rest, 80% of our undergraduates, they are active in that way. And we can use all these platforms too for the purpose of delivering the lectures. And... Yes, there might be very, very few, very, very few, and I emphasize that, that will genuinely lose out. Where there is no internet, there are so many facilities now that could be used. Even the radio, the Ministry of Education, you see what the Federal Ministry of Education has done with NTA, with Radio Nigeria. Some of these problems, if our institutions, particularly federal government agencies, if they are not working in isolation of one another, they can synergize. I don't want to agree with you that a large number of students will not have access. There are alternatives that are available with at little or no cost. That's my position, and I stand to be faulted. Bola Brown speaks with Nigerian actor and singer Aduke, who is currently isolating in the United Kingdom. There's no doubt that the pandemic has affected all sectors of the world economy as it is. And Moss was an artist, especially a performance artist. It would take a while for us to recover. Festivals have been cancelled, residences have been just put on hold. 
nobody's sure what's going to happen next. But for me as an artist, you look around and you say, okay, what are tools that we presently have now? We have the internet, and everybody is trying their best to be up to date with the internet, to use it to continue to engage their fans. I think this is where I also find myself. For example, sometime next week, we're presently researching and trying to see a way to do a very good concert online next week for maybe like 100 or 200 audience members who can view via Zoom and get the audio through another platform that makes it very clear and feels like they're actually at a concert. So it's very important that artists, creative people become innovative. The thing about the pandemic is it really did not give us time to plan. As an artist, I have to say it's, it's scary. It's a scary place to be in. But you just have to find a way to continue to engage. And thankfully, we have the internet. This is not 20, 30 years ago where we're not in touch with the rest of the world. So you can just get with the program and find a way to keep in touch with your audience. I do know that right now you're out of the country. Did you leave the country to perform at a concert or do some sort of residency? And how has that affected your being out of the country right now? I was supposed to do some collaborations and work with some people here, but we can't even get to be around each other now because of the social distancing, you cannot leave the house and all of that. So, of course, it has affected it. And we're just hoping all of this blows over and we can get back to the creating side because I know that at least for another year or six months before public gatherings in large multitude will be allowed again. Being over there in the UK, I'm sure you've been getting news from Nigeria and how Nigerians are coping with this pandemic. What kind of information are you getting in respect to how Nigerians are handling the COVID pandemic and how Nigerians are reacting? Yes, the news is all over the place. The truth is, our social makeup as a country, it cannot work for Nigeria because we cannot afford a shutdown. Our economy runs on too many small businesses. We are a cash-driven country. What I think Nigeria should have done when they got the first case, the index case, was to have activated a compulsory quarantine for anybody that flies into the country. So it is really sad seeing all of this news and then the insecurity problems in Lagos right now. It's scary. Scary, and I just hope that this wakes up everybody in Nigeria. But on the last note, uh, can you sing for the listeners maybe some song of hope? Okay. <laughs> I wish you peace and light, something to light your path on this road, on this road called life. I wish you hope and grace, something finish this in this game in this game called life and that's it for this edition of now i am shopper martins <laughs>